0: Have you ever known anyone whose name was a perfect fit with their personality? Or you can ask their personality was a perfect fit with their name, especially names that were adjectives. You probably are thinking of folks even as I'm speaking. I, uh, when I was in college, I worked as a camp counselor at a, at a church camp in South Carolina for a number of years. And uh, one of those summers, there was another counselor who worked there at the same camp whose name was Happy. Happy Willis was her name. And I have a, actually a picture of Happy up here. Uh, this was, that was her legal name. That's Happy. You can't really see her. She's doing the Cousin It thing. But I guarantee you she had a happy, smiling face behind that hair. She was always smiling. She was always happy. Her name fit her personality. Now, Happy was also a hippie. You think about it. I mean, she was born in the early 1970s. And her parents gave her the legal name Happy. That was the name on her birth certificate. So, you know, they probably were hippies themselves. And so she came by that naturally. She was a happy hippie. Or you could say a hippie happy. Both would work, right? So that was Happy, Happy Willis. And then later on in life, my wife Chrissy and I had a friend up in Virginia whose name was Joy, Joy Howe. And she was the epitome of joy, deep uh, and true and real joy. You know, it it makes me think, I, I, I imagine there's probably been studies on this kind of thing because it makes me wonder, you know, if you come up with a name like joy or happy, do you just naturally become more joyful and more happy so that your personality is a better fit and a better match for your name? I don't know. What do you think? Probably so in some cases because think how weird it would be if your name is something like happy or, or joy, and you ended up being grumpy and miserable, right? It just wouldn't quite work. So we're going to think about joy this morning. We're wrapping up the series on the main thing. We started a few weeks ago by talking about how Jesus made it very clear that the main thing for those who know and love and follow him is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Jesus Is first. He was, is, and always will be the main thing. And then Jesus said the next thing or the second thing is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. So loving your neighbor, loving others is the second thing. Love your neighbor as you love yourself then would mean that yourself is the third thing. So the main thing is Jesus. The second thing is others. And the third thing is yourself. Jesus, others, yourself in that order. Now, I know some of you have heard this before. Someone mentioned this to me last Sunday, actually. I learned this when I was a camp counselor back in those camp days. But you might have already heard at some point that Jesus Others Yourself forms the acronym J-O-Y, which obviously spells joy. So when you think about it, you get those priorities right. You get the main thing is the main thing, the second thing the second thing, and the third thing is the third thing. The real and deep, full, genuine, authentic joy is going to follow as the gift of God for those who trust in Him. And that promise is all over the Bible. There are hundreds of references to joy scattered throughout the Old and New Testaments. And I'm going to share several of those this morning. If you're a note taker, you might jot down these scripture references uh, to read and to remember maybe later on this afternoon or this week at some point down the road. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, rejoicing, just in the very day that God has given. Psalm uh, four verse seven. God, you have put more joy in my heart. So God's the one who puts the joy in our hearts. You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound." Proverbs 17, verse 22, "A joyful heart is good medicine, and a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 16, verse 11, God, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, he makes our joy full. He's not talking about a little bit of joy. He's talking about the fullness of joy. And then over to the New Testament from Romans, chapter 15, verse 13, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy. Again, being filled with the joy of God. Fill you with all joy and peace and believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope. And in James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. So even in the trials and the troubles, like Kim was talking about earlier, count it joy. John 16, verse 22, Jesus said, you might have sorrow now. Again, trouble, sorrow. But I will see you again, he said. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. No one will take the joy of Jesus from you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. Have you ever felt that joy that you just can't express, you just can't describe? A joy that is inexpressible... And filled with glory. And then lastly, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Back uh, more than 2,500 years ago, after the people of God had uh, been run out of their homes and, and kicked out of their land and had been sent off into exile. And then, after several decades, by the grace of God, they were allowed to return and to start rebuilding. They were seeking to reestablish themselves, so to speak, by making a covenant promise with God. And so they had this holy day to worship and to recommit. And we're going to read from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah some words about that particular day. So this is from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Nehemiah, who was the governor, And Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all these people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law being spoken. And then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What a great line. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Reminding us that this is not joy that comes from ourselves. It's not a joy that comes from other people or from the world or from anything or anyone else. It's the joy that comes only and always from the Lord. All the joy that's spoken of here in the Word of God is the joy of the Lord. Joy and God go hand in hand. God is a God of joy. And God wants to fill us with that joy, with His joy. And not just a little bit of it, not just a little bit of that joy, but every single bit of all of it for every single one of all of us. God is a God of joy who wants to pour that joy into our hearts until it overflows. Along the same lines, listen to the words of Jesus as He speaks of that same thing. In the book of John, in the New Testament of the Bible, John 15, verses 5 through 11. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. I'm the vine and you're the branches, Jesus said. He said, abide in me and abide in my love. And he said, I've said these things to you so that my joy, the joy of Jesus might be in you. And that your joy might be full to overflowing. So I ask you, is the joy of the Lord your strength? Is the joy of Jesus in you? And is your joy full? And that doesn't mean that everything's Pollyanna for you. It doesn't mean everything's perfect for you, that your life does not have trials and troubles. That's never been a prerequisite for joy. It wasn't a prerequisite in all those Bible readings I shared earlier or in any of those other hundreds of references to joy in the Bible. And a perfect a life without trials and troubles has never been a prerequisite for joy throughout the 2,000-year history of the Christian faith and church. I'm going to read uh, some actual words that were written by a man um, named Cyprian in the 3rd century to one of his friends named Donatus. And uh, this was, what, a couple hundred years after Jesus, 1,800 years ago. All right, these are the words. It's a bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world, but I've discovered in the midst of it a quiet and good people who've learned the great secret of life. They have found a joy. They found a joy which is a thousand times better than any of the pleasures of a sinful life. They're despised and they're persecuted, and yet they care not. They are masters of their souls. They've overcome the world. These people, at this are Christians, and I am one of them. Amen. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than the pleasures of the sinful life. Have you found that joy? It's the same joy that was spoken of in the Old Testament. It's the same joy that Jesus spoke of. It's the same joy that Cyprian was writing to his friend Donatus about. Have you found that joy? And I could ask that question a different way. Has that joy found you? Has that joy found you and filled you to overflowing? Then you love the, the cold winter morning on Wednesday? It's past Wednesday. How many of you turned your heat on? Anybody turn your heat? Yeah, good. Me too. You saw the warnings about the iguanas falling from the trees, I'm sure. Did any of you actually see an iguana literally falling from a tree? You did? Some of you did? Excellent. I knew, I knew some would. I knew hundreds, if not thousands, of iguanas fell from trees. I had three in my backyard. Uh, when I, uh, when I uh, woke and took our dogs for that morning walk in the backyard shortly after sunrise, I actually stumbled across one of those fallen iguanas. Uh, he wasn't dead, he was just in one of those comas, you know, he was just too cold to move and um, there were three of them, like I said, back there, laid out along our backyard and down, down by the water and our dogs, uh, they were just loving it because they, they got to do what they want to do every single day, get eye to eye with those big old iguanas and I actually have a picture of one of them, there you go, that's, that's little buddy, the iguana's as big as he is and he's showing that iguana who's boss right there. And you could just think, that iguana's thinking to himself, oh, I want to get him. I just want to get him. But he can't. He's just slow motion, right? Uh, so the dogs had a, had a great time with that. Just cold and frozen, stiff and motionless iguanas. You can take the picture down now. I came back later uh, that same day, about lunchtime, to walk the dogs again back in the backyard. And by that time, the temp had warmed up just a little bit. Not too, not too warm through the whole day, but had warmed up enough That those iguanas had thawed out. They'd gotten the life back into them. And they all went on about their merry way. All three of them. And it got me to thinking. Think about it, friends. Too many times. Too many believers are cold and frozen and and still or stiff and motionless. And, And when that happens, we need more than anything else for the Holy Spirit to come and warm things up. For the Holy Spirit to warm our hearts, to thaw us out, to, to bring the life into us or to bring the life back into us and to fill us with the joy of the Lord. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. When he is the main thing, that's exactly what happens. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Whoever abides in me as I abide in him will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, apart from me, you're going to be cold and you're going to be frozen and stiff and still and motionless. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me as I abide in you and you will bear much fruit. What's it mean to abide in him? It means to be and to stay connected with and to him all the time. To be attached to and with Jesus all the time as a branch to a vine. And realizing that this is not just some marginal, optional, small, insignificant part of life over here on the side. It's the basis of life. Without which we can do nothing. As Jesus said. Abiding in Jesus means abiding in his word, as he said. My words abide in you, we read today. And Jesus' words are found in this word. How much of your day is found in the word? How much of the word is found in your day? How much of the word is found in your week? How much in your life? Please, please do anything and everything you can to abide in Jesus by abiding in his word. Abiding in Jesus means bearing fruit for Jesus, as he said. It means making a difference for him in your circle of influence in the world around you. It means doing good things for Jesus. It means sharing your life and sharing your love with others for Jesus. You see, Jesus fills you With his joy, not just so that joy is just kept to and for yourself, to and for ourselves. He fills us with joy so that we're so filled that it's spilling out and over. It's overflowing, spilling out and over your heart and your life to and into the hearts and the lives of others. What's the fruit of your life right now? Stop and think about that for five seconds. The fruit that is being produced From the faith in your heart and life. Five seconds. Think about it. If nothing's coming to you. If you're having a hard time coming up with something right off the bat. And honestly, one after the other, it might be time to abide more and more closely with Jesus. To be more and better connected to the vine. To to make and to keep the main thing, the main thing, the first thing, the best thing, the one and only thing to ever rise and stay at the top of the throne of your heart. By this, the Father is glorified. That's what we read. That's what Jesus said. By this, the Father is glorified. You see, all of it is from God and all of it is for God. You are made for God's glory. And like it's been said before, we've shared here in worship before, the Father is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. The Father is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. When His joy has filled you to overflowing. If He's not the main thing for you right now, you're the only one, you and God are the only ones who know if He is or if He isn't. If by chance, for whatever reason, he's not the main thing for you, I want to ask you just to pray a very simple prayer. And it's a prayer that's been praised since biblical days and all through the days and centuries of the Christian faith and church. And the prayer is this. Speak, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. Open my ears. Open my eyes. Open my mind. Open my heart. Open my life to hear. And God, by your grace, Lead me to respond. Speak, Lord. I'm listening.
1: Speak, Lord. I am listening. For so long I've wanted to say my own things, journals of agendas, prose of my own possibilities. For so long I've wanted my words to promote the things I love the most. And my treasure chests have become storage closets of trophies of me, collecting my accomplishments, brushing the dust on top of them, placing them on my front room shelves for everyone to see. And when I was on the stage, I did the same thing. Saying the statements I knew would be impressive Speaking in rhythms that were faster than flash Though no one could understand them Pushing my plans, my ideas, my calendars Of what I thought you wanted Or at least I hoped that even if you didn't I could get away with it And for too long I lived like this Speak, Lord, I am listening I've lived not very long But long enough to know That when you were at my definition My words meant nothing I've seen how you move long enough to know that if your spirit doesn't fill our words, we're giving vessels to a thirsty world that look beautiful but are empty. And I've walked alongside of you long enough to know that when I was without you, it wasn't pretty. I remember the sin you saved me from, the pits of hell you pulled me from, and I have not come this far just to let pride take over me. Once again I plead, I rebuke my need to be an exhibition. May my only ambition be to be like you and thus experience life the way you created me to, in an image less like me, in a portrait more like you. May this horizontal stage never be a vertical barricade. May nothing in this world separate from the joy of knowing you. I turn down the chaos of my life to stop and to listen, to return to my first love, to hear the truth in your language. Only you can breathe new life into these dead pages. You speak, I'll type, how can my days tell your story? You speak, I'll repeat, may my words expose your glory. Speak, Lord, I am listening. I turn down my own volume. I turn up your praise. May I be the microphone amplifying your words of grace. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I take my words and my life off the mantle. Come be center stage. Come fill the empty.
0: Speak, Lord. I'm listening. You speak. I'll type. How can my days tell your story? You speak. I'll repeat. May my words expose your glory. Beautiful. You know what her name is? Hosanna. Seriously. Hosanna Wong is her name. Kind of like Happy, kind of like joy. I was put onto her last week by my good friend Darlene Beckett right here. She sent me a video uh, of another one of her spoken word poems, and I, I found so many. Thank you, Darlene. Her life's incredible. This woman, uh, Hosanna Wong, long story short, grew up on the streets of San Francisco. And by the grace of God, Jesus rescued her from the streets and rescued her, more importantly, from sin. And from death. And now her life is one great big Hosanna. You know what friends. If if Jesus has rescued you. No matter what name is on your birth certificate. Your name is Christian. Follower of Christ. Claim the name of the one who has first claimed you. Abide in him. As he abides in you. I'm going to pray. If any of you would like to pray in person, one-on-one, uh, Lori Harding is going to be on the floor level down here. I'll be on the floor down here. You're welcome to join us as we sing our closing song or even after the service. And maybe today, you, for whatever reason, might be many reasons, maybe you don't even know the reasons, but you're feeling somewhat disconnected or maybe a lot disconnected from God. And you want to pray that that con- connection will be made stronger. Or maybe you're feeling like you're not really bearing much fruit for God. And you want to pray for His help in that. Maybe you're here and you've never felt connected with God, if you're honest. You've never experienced the rescue of Jesus. And now, by the grace of God, He's made you ready. However the Lord is leading you, however the Lord might be speaking to you, we're here. We'd be honored to pray with you and for you. Let's go to God.